Passing. And Chase Bernstein, comedian, NBA superfan, joins the show to talk jazz, nuggets, the West. On today's show, Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga. On the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, equal housing lender. Passing up top, because if anything has been identified through nine games of Jazz season, which has been a fun ride so far, an energetic one at that, one thing has been identified, it is that passing is going to be a part of this offense. Thanks, pretty obvious. Passing is in every offense. No, but not to this degree. And not to this degree on this franchise. Those last couple of years, you haven't seen it as much. And Wednesday, identifiably, you could tell there's a difference between these two teams. Their approach, their basketball philosophy, how they want to play. One team has a singular talent that can make every pass. He can go behind the back. He can go over his head. He can make the decisions, and he can slow the pace down. And his singular talent and decision-making means just let him make the passes. That's Dallas. But on the other side, you had a team that had to rely on everyone to pass. It didn't matter if it was somebody threading the needle in transition on a rebound and go, or a pick-and-roll scenario where it's whizzing past a Dallas Maverick. That's the Utah Jazz. This year, Wednesday highlighted it. They have to be a passing offense. They have to be in that Spursian model that Will Hardy came from, where it's movement, it's cutting, it's pinging the ball around. Because there isn't one isolation player that can just cook somebody off dribble. Jordan Clarkson can do it, but do you want him doing that the entire game? It's obvious Jazz are passing because they're the fifth-ranked assist-per-game team in the league. That's an obvious stat to see. But the thing that you see when you drill down to individual players is how many guys are marking career high in assists right now. Mike Conley, Lowry Markinen, Jared Vanderbilt, Kelly Olynyk, and Jordan Clarkson. One of these things is not like the other. One, that that's a list of basketball players and a hooper. And two, Jordan Clarkson. He stands out. You know exactly why. He's a gunner. Six man. Comes off the bench. Scores points. That's all he does. At least that was the book on him coming into the season. And actually, that isn't all that he does. Wednesday, his pick and roll before halftime with Larry Markinen, where... He takes the attention of Dwight Powell and fires it over his ear through traffic, avoiding Tim Hardaway Jr. to find Lowry down low for the score. I couldn't have dreamed that for him last year. I couldn't see him making a pass that complicated, that difficult, that excellent. Couldn't see that for him. But now he's doing it often. 
against the helter-skelter defense that they were throwing late. And Dallas decided to throw a zone at them because they couldn't get stops. Jordan Clarkson collapses the defense, leaning back, finds Mike Conley in the corner, and he hits the shot. Instead of going for a wild layup, challenging the rim, putting pressure there, he's driving and kicking. The best example of this was last Saturday against Memphis. The ceiling three to Malik Beasley as an appetizer to his shimmy. Jordan Clarkson's dribbling on the perimeter. He drives to the middle, attacks the basket, collapses the defense, and kicks out to a wide-open Malik Beasley. So wide-open, I'm sure T. Morant wanted to jump up and contest his shot. But that shot was made by Clarkson. His willingness to shoot in previous years, it means he's liable to throw it up at any point. But he's not. He's staying in control. And he's making the right decisions at the right times. His 2.17 assisted turnover ratio is the best of his career, the best since he was a rookie. He was billed as a combo guard coming out of the draft. And now, seeing that combo. Think of it. I were to say Hooper Jordan Clarkson is going to be pivotal to the Jazz's passing offense. Do you believe me? Well, you have to believe it now. Because Jordan Clarkson is proving Clarkson time includes passing time. Five stars, nice reviews, that's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. I'm going to get to the bottom of that Hoopers versus basketball players investigation. Got some good traction, but you'll have to stick around for more reports on that. In the meantime, please enjoy Chase Bernstein. She's a comedian, NBA superfan, and apparently the Jose Alvarado of comedy. Hear why she describes herself as that. And stick around for her hoop conversation. She is a knower of ball. Basketball and comedy with Chase Bernstein on Round Ball Roundup. bit that stood out with me was how left-handed people <laughs> were unique, right? They have are, a thing. Are you left-handed? I am not left-handed. Oh my God. I was about to freak out. I was like, I needed that in like, you know, I needed that information before we started recording. Okay. Wow. But that bit stood out because yeah. it reminded me of lefty basketball players Yeah. And how when you're on the court, it looks like a defender forgets that they're left-handed and you get like an automatic two points just by being left-handed. You have a thing, you're unique yeah. by being left-handed. Left Being left-handed, which I'm not for the record, it pains me to say that. Like I kind of would love to just, people are like, oh, she's probably left-handed then, I'm not. Um, I mean, part of like what drew me to James Harden, you know, he's just out there being different left-handed changing the changing the game but yeah it's just I've always been obsessed with people who are left-handed like I think it's just everything you know it's a thing it's like everyone's over here being boring and regular and then people who are left-handed are like sorry like I'm left-handed is that 
going to be a problem, you know, like, oh God, I would give anything to be left-handed, <laughs> truly anything. <laughs> Presidents are left-handed, you know? Uh, I mean, knows no bounds, you know? Yeah. Like, a neighbor of mine can be left-handed. It's like they're living among us. <laughs> well disguised. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're a James Harden fan, which yeah. probably gets you on the wrong foot for jazz fans who are listening to this podcast, but still, where did that start? Why James Harden? I actually don't even know the origin. Like, I feel like I would have to really like, like, I mean, like take some drugs or something to go back and remember where the seed was planted because I don't really know, but it, it was like, it's half, it's real and also a bit that's morphed into something I don't understand. And I get, I obviously understand all the issues and everything that comes with him. But at the same time, I love him so much because he's just like a little bit chaotic, but never acting like it. Like it's just the face is a poker face. Like he is innocent. He's like, what? Like I got to Brooklyn and now I don't want to be here. Like, I'm like, it's like, it's just sort of gaslighting in a way that's just like so masterful. And, but it's like, and then he is so good. It's like, you can't take it away from him. It's like, okay, obviously he's not what he used to be, but it's like, you can't take away that he's sort of an innovator. It's casual. Everything that he does is so. Yes. I really, yeah, I love, I, I love it. I could never do that. It's like he fakes a foul. He gets to the line. Everyone around him is mad. Everyone. And he's just like composed. Like he's like, no big deal. Like what? It was a foul. Like shoots his free throws and makes it. Like I'm like, I would be, I could never handle that. I'd be like, oh my God, you guys, I know. It. I, I know it wasn't a foul. I'm sorry. Like I know that. Like he just, it's so amazing to watch and the step back is a legitimately good basketball move exactly it's like put your issues with him aside like he is a legend and he's left-handed <laughs> that's true he is a, le <laughs> a left-handed legend so this starts out you like harden yeah how does it change to where now you like Jokic and the Nuggets because that's when I picked up on your basketball fandom is you're yeah. tweeting about Jokic, you're tweeting about Nuggets every <laughs> night that they're playing. Every night. Okay, she's she's all no in on this. Likes team. to zero likes and zero retweets. Like people are just like, wait, whose account is this? Like I just like I don't even tweet anything anymore besides basketball related things. I often delete them because I'm just like, I need to get it out of my system in the moment. It's like a lot of times I'll just tweet names. I'll just tweet like Aaron Gordon, you know, because I just need to say it because he's wowing me, you know? And then I'm like, all right, I guess I could delete this, but where did it change? I don't, I mean, I guess the bubble season, um, when the nuggets were just going crazy and, you know, I saw this video of them in the locker room and, um, their coach, Mike Malone was like, no one thinks we would be here. Like no one thinks we are going to be here, but like, we deserve to be here. We belong here. Like it just spoke to me on another level. And then I just, I, I mean, how could you not love Jokic? Like, there are people, as I'm sure I, you've that's encountered. really odd to me. It's like, obviously the James Harden thing, I completely understand. Like he is 
a very polarizing figure, but it's like Jokic is just like the most unproblematic, like talk about casual, just like warm. I mean, I know he pushed some people sometimes they deserved it, but it's like, he's perfect. He's the back to back MVP. He's everything. Every time I watch Jokic, I always wonder, and I want somebody to do a story on, why is he always bloody after? His arms look so <laughs> red and scratched up yeah. every he's single He's always game. shedding blood, yeah. Yeah, he's always shedding blood. I wonder, how, why has nobody followed up? Why is this man bleeding so much during the game? Yeah, I mean, maybe his skin is like so, his skin is like quite translucent. It's like maybe there's just like not a lot of divide between the outside and... I don't know the contents. How have these MVP years been for you following Jokic, seeing his team rise? And then now where I'll be honest with you, I picked them to go to the finals this year. Really? I think so. I think, I think the West is pretty flat. There aren't many teams that are separating from each other that Denver, a team that we haven't seen before because Michael Porter Jr. hasn't been healthy. Yeah. Jamal Murray hasn't been healthy. Now they're yeah. on the floor together. That team could go to the finals. That, so I, I took a swing, but I think that they're going to go. I, yeah, I mean, I'm praying, and I could definitely see it. I mean, obviously, it's emotional when you are, like, so invested in it. Um, but so it's like every, you know, it's like they lose a game, and I'm like, oh, God, you know, like, are they not going to the finals? Are they not going to be in the playoffs? Like, I mean, obviously, they are, but um are you worried by the start they give the lakers their first one of the year it's a little concerning yeah that hurts so bad that hurts so bad i mean i try to watch every single game i can every night that i don't have shows even if the nuggets aren't playing i'm watching games but it hurts when shows coincide with a nuggets game and i couldn't watch the lakers one but obviously i checked the score a lot and I was just like, why did it have to be the Nuggets? Like, it's like, why? Could they not have lost to like the Bulls or something? Like, it's just like, why did it have to be them? I don't know. It hurts. It is emotional because I feel like, you know, I listen to a lot of basketball podcasts and everyone's like the Nuggets, the Nuggets, like they're back, they're healthy. And I'm like, all right, let's just, let's just relax. Like, let's not put all this pressure on them. Um, but I think they're just really finding their groove. And I, I mean, they've had a strong start, you know, it's like, it's not like they've had a bad start. People were concerned with that Portland game that they lost on national oh, That hurt. That yeah, hurt. Portland looked good. That, and was, that was painful. Losing the Lakers is a death knell for any team. Cause yeah. every Laker win and loss is the biggest thing or the, that you'll ever see. It's yeah. talked about. Everybody knows about it. Every ESPN show is going to lead off with, are the Lakers going right. to the championship or are they screwed? Are they the worst team ever? You know, it's yeah. such an extreme with it when you win or lose to that team. I know. And I feel like it was just, it landed on the Nuggets. Like it was their sixth game, you know, like they had lost all of them. And then it's like, they, it's like, they were going to be a, the laughing, not that they already aren't, but like they were like the Lakers had to win that game. And it was just unfortunate that the Nuggets were on the other side of it. Like, I truly almost think they could have beat anyone. Like they needed that so bad in a way that a, like 
you can't replicate that if you're another team. Like no other team has lost six games. Are you enjoying this Laker demise, how it's going so far for them? I don't watch a ton of Lakers games because I like, I can't watch it on league pass because that's like the local one, which I don't understand this rule. Another bad thing about league pass. I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, so now I have two teams that I can't watch because I obviously can't watch Clippers games. So that's really frustrating. I mean, not that I would go out of my way to watch Lakers games. I it's like, it's not enjoyable. Like, I can't believe what they've done to get to this point, like professional people who have been involved in this in so long. It's like where it's like it all went wrong so many times and you never fixed it. But it's like it is sad to watch them. You know, it's like I I know Russell Westbrook sucks. Like I know he doesn't make any shots. I know he went over 11, but it's like. I feel so bad for him. Like it hurts my heart. Like, I'm just like this poor guy. I know he's making a lot of money, but it's like, you could make a lot of money too. And people are booing you. People, all they do is talk shit about you 24 seven. It's like, okay. Yeah. You can go buy a nice car. It's not going to eat, like heal the pain. And this is the thing he works at every day. It sucks for him. I I feel bad for Russ too. I know a lot of people don't, but I feel bad because you can tell he tries. Exactly. You're asking someone to thrive in like a toxic environment that you've created. It's like you try thriving in that environment. Like it's like you really just can't. And I feel like it's just, I mean, why I like watching basketball also is like you see so many life lessons, you know? And it's like, he is in a toxic environment where he feels so much pressure and he cannot be himself. And then it's like, so he tries to be himself or he tries to be something else and none of it's going to work. And I know you didn't ask about this, but why like I'm loving the jazz this year is because it's like, this is what happens when you put people in an environment with no pressure. Like they're thriving, they're living, they're playing, they're having fun. Like they're trying new things and it's translating into wins. Well, that's a beautiful transition. <laughs> You're the natural host of this podcast now. <laughs> the Jazz, you were able to watch them last night. What stood out from that game for you? Other than the no pressure, because it it is very different from last year. Not having those expectations, you dealing with it as a Nuggets fan is a nice little contrast to what Jazz yeah. fans yeah. are dealing with now. I know because the not last year, but the year before last year, I was having so much fun watching the Jazz. I was like, I love Donovan Mitchell. I love watching him go to the free throw line, take his breaths. Like I love it. And then it was like last season, I'd be like, Ooh, the Jazz are playing. Like, and I'd go to it, and I was like, Why? Like. I, okay. I was just like, why is this so boring? Like, I just couldn't get into it. And then watching it this year is just like a breath of fresh air. And it was like, I'm watching them play the Mavericks. And even like the announcers are like, Jesus, like, they're like, this team is no (laughs) joke. Like they were like, I I don't know. Like they were like, you, you hear about this team, you've seen them winning, but it's like to see them play right now is like, it's really, it's really great. And it's without the star power. The biggest star on this team's Lowry Markinen, 
who's a Eurobasket star. You think more than Jordan Clarkson? Well, Jordan Clarkson is probably the fan favorite. Okay, okay. Petition yeah. to make Jordan Clarkson a superstar. He deserves he, it. He does deserve it. He, <laughs> he is a superstar on the runway. He, oh, yeah. He has He's superstar played. tattoos, superstar interests off the court. I don't know if you saw his Halloween costume. He came in oh, as yeah. Jack Skellington. But he's not a superstar in the sense that he's going to all-star games. He he's should. Not... It's a crime. He's... It's it an is. absolute crime. Yes. He's fun. He's different. He's making passes. He's draining threes. I'm like, what isn't he doing? It's true. I don't know. Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. Nuggets are one. Is there a, another yeah. team that you try to follow? <sighs> There's a lot. I mean, I know. What is my second? I love Jimmy Butler. Like, I'm just a fan. So I guess I watch a decent amount of Heat games. I am like, I do love the Celtics now, just from last season. You know, I always like to watch the Bucks, And been trying to watch more pelicans oh nice yeah just zion more like a jose alvarado you know oh grand theft alvarado <laughs> i mean once it's like should he be an all-star i'm just like forget the stars like there are people doing it better and even that translates for me to comedy you know it's like sometimes it's like okay these big comedians Yes, a lot of them are good, but a lot of them are very bad, you know? And it's like, then it's like, you see people who, you know, not as known comics and it's just like, wait, why isn't that person up at the front? You know, like I'm Jose Alvarado right now. Like, it's just like, you don't know me yet, but when you do, you're going to be impressed. What is your Jose Alvarado? He hangs out in the corner and then just steals somebody yeah. bringing it up the court. What is that for you what is your your move your go-to i mean maybe just being like unsuspecting you know okay. it's like he's this random guy you know we're not really looking at him whatever it's like i walk on stage people are like all right we know what this is and it's like no you don't no you don't like i don't think i'm like what people think i'm gonna be like when i go on stage where did it start for you how'd you get into it um where did it start? I was doing writing. I, I, I wanted to be a writer and I was just like writing for whatever would pay me. And then a job came along that was for a comedy situation and having zero experience with comedy and just needing money. I was like, sure. 
And then it really opened up this whole world. And then I was like, oh, comedy, right. Like I'm, I guess I've always, I've, you know, to me, I'm funny. Like I, but I never thought about it really. It was just like how I was. And then from that, I started doing improv. And then from improv, I started doing stand up and I've never looked back. What was the transition from improv to stand up? Because those are two different. I know, I know. And I think when I started improv, I didn't know what it was. And I know that sounds insane, but I just, I saw a picture of like Sarah Silverman and I was like, oh, I know Sarah Silverman. I like her. I'll take, I'll take this class. I had no idea what it was. And then I was just like, okay, I'm not good at this, but I'll just keep going because I'm not doing anything else. So I'm just like working at a restaurant. And then I did that for a year. Like I went through all these classes and then I was on an improv team. And um, one of the people on my team is a comedian, um, Asif Ali. I'm not sure if you know him, um, but he was doing stand up. And I was like, what's stand up? Like I, I truly was like <laughs> an aunt, like in Minnesota. I was like, what's stand up? Like, what do you do every night? And he was like, I actually think you'd be pretty good at stand up because I'm like, I'm definitely more of a loner type person than like a group thing. So improv was really out of my comfort zone, but yeah, then he, he was like, here, here's a list of open mics in the city, like every single night. And I went to one and I was truly like, I like the next day I was like, guys, I'm done with improv. Like I realized how wrong this is for me. And I loved stand up so much. What? keeps you going because I'm sure there are Great nights where question. I'm sure there are nights where you absolutely bomb because you know it's kind of like basketball sometimes they don't yeah. have great games yeah but they keep going they have to still I know. play basketball what I keeps know. you doing it it's such a great question that I'm really sort of struggling with at the moment you know it's like I just I did five shows in San Diego this past weekend and it's like I, you know, I often think of like, when you hear basketball players be like, not every game is going to be this like fun, like high stakes. It's like, it's, you know, game 50 of the season. And you're just like, you know, playing whoever, like, and it's like, okay, see exactly. That was what I was going to say, but I was like, I do like Josh Giddy. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, it's like, so these shows, it's, you know, one after another, and even like the Sunday night show, it's an early show. It's like at seven and it's just like, wow, what is my motivation right now? It's like, um, when I think, when I don't have a lot of motivation myself, I just really try to think about the audience who bought tickets and like who spent money and they are here to hopefully escape, you know, just the you know, horrific realities of real life. And I'm just like, at least do it for them. Like if I'm not going to do it, cause I don't care about me. Like I'm like, whatever, I'll bomb. I don't care. Like, I'm like, all right, do it for them, you know? And then it usually turns out to, and then it's like, you get, once you get on stage, it is fun. You know, I, I think it'd be hard unless you're doing really bad to not have fun once you're up there. But it's just kind of like the day, hours leading up to it where you're like, Jesus Christ, like the last thing on earth right now I want to do is go on stage and like 
try to be funny. It's like, I don't feel like being funny right now, but it just comes out of me effortlessly, you know? (laughs) Clearly, clearly. (laughs) Like what is the saddest room that you've ever done? It, it is very sobering a lot. Like you're just like, wow, how did I get here? Um, I mean, I was actually just looking at some old videos on my phone. This was from an open mic, like probably eight years ago, but I was just, it was like, it's this very dark room deep in the Valley of Los Angeles. And there's like a disco ball, which is like the saddest thing when no one's there. And it's like, 5 p.m. but it's completely pitch black inside this like dive bar and there's like four people just in different spots of the room waiting to go up and I was just laying in a booth just like what is my life you know (laughs) like I was like why did I drive here like I chose to be here actively actively it's just, I mean, you really just like, can't think a lot of the times or else you'll be like, what am I doing? It's best not to think about it. (laughs) How long does it take for you to get new material? You're writing jokes. What, what's the process of that? Um, it's a great question. I, I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll, cycle jokes out a lot like I'll kind of always have you know what I'm what I know is working at the moment and then I definitely always try something new or else it will be extremely boring for me um but just trying it and like I usually don't write anything down I just know it's sort of a feeling it's like before I go on stage if I'm excited about doing a joke I'll do it and if I'm not I'm just like well there's no point in me doing a joke that I don't even really care about so I just try to look through my phone and like what I've written down and just be like what what could be exciting to try now that you're so obsessed with basketball how how is that going to influence your comedy and what you do on stage I I mean I don't know how it's going to influence it it's like so many times I get on stage like especially during like playoffs and I'm like I'll be on stage and I'm like who's winning I'm like are is are you know are the Celtics beating the heat like what's going on and people just stare at me like I'm speaking a different language and I'm like wow no one here follows basketball like that's sad you know? Is the comedian basketball, those two Venn diagrams, are they two different circles? What's going uh, on? Maybe. Like, I don't know. It's like, I, you know, this all happened really without my knowledge. Like I had, I had no intentions of being such a huge basketball fanatic. Like it just really came out of nowhere. So I'm like grappling with it myself, but it is like, it's confusing because it really is all I care about (laughs) like you're asking me questions about comedy I'm like yeah I don't know like I go on stage (laughs) and then it's like you ask me questions about basketball and I'm like I could all I do is go on Twitter look at basketball tweets go on YouTube look watch highlights watch the post-game interviews like I cannot know enough so I don't know. I'm, I also feel self-conscious because I know there's a lot of comedians who have been watching basketball and, you know, they mix them. And I'm like, I'm not trying to like take anyone's job or anything, but 
it is hard for me not to talk about basketball 24 seven. So I'm like, I would, I don't know, like this is all going in the direction of like, can I work for the NBA in whatever capacity they'll have, you know? Are you really watching post-game interviews? Oh yeah. I love the post-game interviews. Really? Who, who are you watching? Some of them can be very boring. Well, mostly Jokic. Jokic, he'll always throw a fun thing in there, you know. Um, like I was watching a lot of Anthony Edwards, you know, like those are fun. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I haven't been watching them as much this season, but I like I watch I like watching Michael Porter Jr. Like he's just so random and like <laughs> I like hearing what he's gonna say. And just, I don't know, it's just intriguing. As someone that some that sits in those post-game interviews many oh times. Oh my God, you're so blessed. I feel like some of them fight it so much. It's like, don't fight it. Like, just give into it. Like, just, you're fun. You're funny, you know, like. But how funny would you be after you exercise for two and a half hours and the only come down was going in the locker room for five minutes. And then you have to go out and talk to people who have only been thinking about the game the entire time. But if I know, I'm just like, it's like, if I'm Jimmy Butler, I'm like, okay, I have a fun attitude. I'm funny. I'm, you know, cheeky. I'm this, I'm that. It's like, why not grace us with it? It's like, you'll be done in 15 minutes and then you can go home. You know, it's like, just, just push one more, just push for one more moment. But I, I obviously get it, but I just, I guess I don't like when people just take themselves so seriously. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Is there a funniest moment from a press conference that you've watched over the last, I mean, over so often? I don't know about a moment. I watch a lot of like Jokic compilations. You know, like one time he took the mic and it out and it broke and his like he was just like a fun facial expression. There's one of him twirling it. Like he's just fun. Like, oh my God. There's I just feel so vulnerable for the person asking the question. And especially when it's like a long question. I'm like, oh my God, get it out. Like you're <laughs> losing them. Yeah, I usually try to keep it very short yeah. when you're asking yeah. a question because a lot of reporters do this where they ask two questions in one exactly, go. Exactly. Yeah. And they're like, which question am I answering now? Yeah, what was your other, yeah. other questions? And then they just get confused and they don't want to and then don't they get don't a good answer. answer. Yeah. Yeah, you don't get a good answer. Oh my God. Where can people find your tour dates, see what you're doing, keep up with you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I usually post all my shows on Instagram, Chase Bernstein. I also have a website, if you can believe it, chasebernstein.com. And I mean, I've just been getting knee deep into TikTok recently. I'm the jazz on TikTok. Like I feel free. I feel like there's no pressure. I'm like, no one knows me on here. Like Instagram is just starting to get so weird. It's like, these are all my friends and like colleagues. Like I go on TikTok. I'm like, who the f is anyone on here? Like, I love it. Like I that is chaotic energy. Yes. Yes. And I imagine that's what the jazz are feeling. Absolutely. Driving. And especially the TikTok. The jazz TikTok is insane. 
Go watch some of those. TikTok, yeah. Oh God, I don't need one more thing to look at. Like, if, this is a full-time job to be a fan. Like, I literally like do shows around, like I, I'm like, ugh, Wednesday, I'm like, you know, it's a good Nuggets game. Like, I don't know if I can make it. All I do when I go to shows is I'm on my phone on League Pass until I go up. I'll go outside and do it. Like, I don't care. I just need to feel the energy of this game, you know? And thankfully it works on your phone, not on your computer. Thank God. Yeah. I'd be lost. I'd be suing League Pass right now. <laughs> I mean, I might sue them. Write the letter. Write I the letter. will. This is insane. I, I just can't live like this. Chase Bernstein and her dog <laughs> on Ramball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Chase, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me.